Um, all right. Again, how's everybody doing? Are you doing okay? Yeah, well, <laughs> one side of the room's ready. Okay. Everyone else is ready. <laughs> but um, again, I'm, I'm excited to continue this sermon series called All Authority. So we're going through the book of Matthew, and we're looking at how Jesus has all authority over all of creation. And so we're looking at just different aspects as we go through the book of Mark of what Jesus has all authority over. So tonight, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at how Jesus has all authority to define the relationship, how Jesus has all authority to define the terms and what it means to follow him. So before we start that, I just want to ask a question. This might only apply to a few of you. I get that. But does anyone have a job in here? Anyone that currently has a job that's willing to share what their job is? Lifeguard? Okay. Nanny? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Maxwell? Maxwell? <laughs> Steven technically counts as a job. Really? Very, very cool. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So, so for, those of you that, for those of you that have a job or own your own business or a student or things like that, let me, let me ask you this question. Let's say you approached your boss and you said, hey, I'm going to define my role here at the job. I'm going to define the terms of how I go to this job. So I'm only going to go in here, like, I'm only going to work like once or twice a week, maybe, at most. And then I'm going to set the payroll that I want. And uh, whenever I want anything, you're going to provide it in that moment or else you're an awful boss and I'm just going to leave and I'm out. That's it. Let's say, okay, whenever I want to get promoted, you are going to promote me and that's it. Like, doesn't that sound, what do you think is going to happen if you go into your boss's office demanding all of these things, trying to say, this is how I'm going to be and this is the type of worker I'm going to be. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to get fired, right? I don't think you're going to make it past the interview. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be very quick conversation what happens but why is that ridiculous because the boss has all authority like the manager the owner they have all authority to define and determine what the parameters of your job are you know if you go into your boss's office and say no this is what i'm going to do you know they would think you're ridiculous yet the reason it sounds so ridiculous is because this is exactly how so many people treat their relationship with jesus and Jesus is a lot more than just a boss or an authority. He is the authority over all authorities. How he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the creator and almighty God over all of creation. Yet so many of us treat our relationship with him just like this. Hey Jesus, I'll, I'll hang out with you on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, but I'm going to do my own thing the rest of the week. Or hey Jesus, like, you know, you know, if I read my Bible a little extra, if I go on a mission trip to Montreal, or if I go to Ridgecrest or Denau, I mean, I think I should get a little bit of a bonus, don't you think? Or God, if you don't give me exactly what I want, then that must mean you're not loving, because aren't you supposed to give me exactly what I want? But the problem is, is this is not how it's supposed to be. Jesus has all authority over everything. How we want to tell Jesus what our plans are, what our goals are, what our dreams are, what our aspirations are, what our lives are going to be, but in all reality, all of that ultimately belongs to him. 
That's because we as fallen, sinful human beings are prone to want to follow Jesus on our own terms rather than his own terms. How, as we're going to look at how we're supposed to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. Instead, what we like to live by the mantra is, is that we're going to deny Christ, we're going to pick up our comfort, and we're going to follow our own hearts and desires. But the main point I want you to get out of this passage is this, is that Jesus has all authority to define the terms in which we are able to follow him. That Jesus has all authority to define the terms of what it means to have a relationship with him and to pursue him and to come after him. And those terms are that we deny ourselves, that we put to death our old lives, that we put on this new life in Christ and we walk in this newness of life and obey him wherever he takes us. If you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at just one verse, but we're looking at how it has so many implications of it, and that's Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And this is the word of the Lord. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's pray real quick. God, I pray over these next several minutes, I pray that you will just free us of any distractions. I pray that no matter what's going on at home or at school with friends, with loved ones, I pray that we're able just to remove all of that and just hear from you. That we're able to hear what you want us to do if we are truly to come after you. I pray that souls are able to be just brought back to you and reconciled to you. I pray that people, all of us, are able to just take off the mask and truly be ourselves before you and that you will just rise us up again and forgive us and bring us back to you, that you will help us deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow you and obey you wherever you may take us and whatever the command may be. So I pray now in this moment that just it is your words that I'm speaking and that I'll just hide behind your cross and let your word speak for itself. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want to picture this scene. I want to paint the scene for you. Okay, so Jesus is now saying you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. But what this happens is, is right before this, a little before this, is Jesus just fed 4,000 people. All right, it's it's poor people and sick people following Jesus. They've been following him around for a few days, and it says he fed 4,000 men. That was not counting the women and children. So there easily could have been 10 plus thousand people following Jesus in this moment. How in, in Matthew 15, 32 through 39, and Mark 8, 1 through 10, it shows Jesus feeding the 4,000 with this loaves of uh, bread and fish. And then right before that in Mark 8, 23 through 26, that Jesus is healing a blind man. So Jesus is feeding all these people, feeding the 10 plus thousand people, healing the blind, healing the sick. And now, uh, right before all this, this large crowd is following him, all right? You got 10 plus thousand people following Jesus. You got the disciples walking with them. Disciples probably think, this is great. Like, look at all these people we can recruit to truly go after Christ. And then Jesus has all these people around him. And then Jesus starts foretelling of his death, that he's going to have to suffer many things and be resurrected. And, and the Apostle Peter is trying to pull him to the side saying, Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, no, don't be saying this. Like, none of this is going to happen. 
And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because you are having your mind on the things of man, not the things of God. So, okay, there's, that's a blow. So imagine being in this crowd. You're following Jesus. All right, this guy's giving us bread. This guy's giving, you know, making Chick-fil-A and giving it to us. This guy's healing people. All right, I'll follow him. I'm poor. I'm sick. I'll follow this guy. And the first thing Jesus says and turns around to everyone, this big crowd, and says, hey, if anyone wants to come after me like you guys are doing, you must deny yourself. You must pick up your cross and you must follow me. This is significant because Jesus is addressing the crowd. Think about this. They were just physically satisfied and Jesus is saying, no, don't focus on those things. You must deny those things and focus on the kingdom of God, not your own kingdom and what we truly desire. These people are following Jesus because of what they were getting out of him so far. Because the thing is, when we deny ourselves, before we can ever follow Christ, we must first remove ourselves from the throne of our lives. We must remove ourselves from the throne of our hearts because before we can say yes to Jesus, we must say no to ourselves. In fact, in John 3.30, it says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Because again, there's three things that Jesus wants to get out of this if we're truly to come after him. And the first thing it says is that it must be self-denial. Is that it must be self-denial. Like it says in John 3.30, he must increase and I must decrease. Or in Matthew 6.24, what it says is that you cannot serve two masters because you will either love one and hate the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. If we're to follow Christ, we must despise our sinful nature and desires and be devoted to Christ and his desires. We must deny ourselves. That's the first step in order to following Christ and coming after him is we must deny ourselves. So let me ask you this. Do you treasure Christ in his life above your own? Because if we are to be a follower of Christ, then we are to value Christ above our plans, above our goals, above our aspirations and our very lives themselves because ultimately all of those things belong to Jesus. It says we must deny ourselves. There's, there's kind of two different terms this word deny means. One means disown, and, and the word disown means refuse to acknowledge or maintain connection with. Another way it's defined is, is called repudiate, and it's this big word meaning refuse to be associated with. So we must no longer associate and maintain connection with our old selves. And we must refuse to be associated with our old way of living. Because before we can put on this newness of Christ, we must put off this old way of sinful living that we've been living in. So let me ask you this. Do you still hold on to things of your past life? Are you, are you still dabbling in a particular sin? Like, no, no, I got it. I'll just keep it over here. I'll keep it maintained. It's fine. It's okay. I got it under control. You know, I'll just keep it over here and everything's okay. Do you still associate with people maybe you know you shouldn't probably be associating with? Because here's the thing, as a follower of Christ, we are to completely cut ties with our old way of living. We are to abandon everything associated with our old life and embrace everything associated with this newness of life that Jesus gives. But here's the beautiful thing is that Jesus is the archetype of this. Jesus, what we're going to see throughout all three of these things is that these three things that Jesus commanded, he has already done. 
which means if Jesus has already done these things, then he's going to give us everything we need to be able to do that. So the first thing that Jesus says is to deny ourselves. And Jesus surrendered his life unto death. How it says in Philippians 2, 5, how Jesus had equality with God. He is God, yet he did not consider equality with God as something to take advantage of or things of that nature. He did not use his own divinity to push his own personal agenda, but instead he came to do the will of the Father. In fact, he denied himself. What it says in Philippians 2, 7 is that he emptied himself by becoming the form of a servant. Jesus served God with his life. How he came to not do his will, but the one who sent him. It says in John 6, 38, how he stepped, Jesus stepped down from heaven, not to do his own will, but of the one who sent him, which was God the Father. So let me ask you this. Are you living for yourselves? Or are you living for Christ? Does your life glorify yourself? Or does your life glorify and honor God? Because as followers of Christ, we must pray that God's kingdom come and his will be done. And the only way God's will is going to be done and his kingdom be done is if we deny our will and our kingdom gets overthrown. Because until we remove ourselves from the throne of our lives, whatever is sitting on the throne of our heart will dictate how we live. So if we're sitting on the throne of our lives and our heart, our desires, our passions, that's going to be what drives us. So until we deny that of ourselves and surrender it to Christ and let him take over, then we will not be able to even start following him. We must deny ourselves. And once we deny ourselves, that leads into the second main point of this, all right? The first one is self-denial. We deny ourselves. The second one is that we must have faith in Christ alone. Look at what it says in the second part. It says, Take up his cross. Take up his cross. This was an extreme claim that Jesus was saying in this time, all right? You're in this crowd, you're hearing that you must deny yourself, and now you must take up your cross. In this time, the cross was not a piece of jewelry that was nice to wear. No, the cross was a form of torture and punishment, what, what the cross was, it, it represented capital punishment by the Roman government, that it was meant for the worst of the worst criminals. That what they were supposed to do is, is they would have to carry this heavy cross, carry it up to the place that they're going to be executed on. Not only that, that, they would have nails driven into their wrists and into their feet, and they would have to hang on this cross until just their lungs would collapse in on themselves and blood would fill their lungs. It was an awful, it was an awful form of torture and an awful form of death. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be associated with me, then you must pick up your cross. But what we're going to see is the beautiful thing is that Jesus is able to take this awful form of torture and capital punishment and is able to turn it into the ultimate form of hope and life. This thing, when you died on the cross, it was a slow and painful death. And Jesus is telling people, if you want to pursue me, then you must identify yourself with me and everything that comes with me. And that is the cross. If Jesus was around today, he'd be saying, hey, pick up your electric chair and follow me. I don't think many people are wearing electric chairs around their neck. At least I haven't seen you recently. But 
Because if we are to associate with Christ, we must associate everything with Christ. And that means we must take up our cross. Because what the cross is, it's the ultimate form of self-denial. That when we take up our cross, it is a display of putting to death our old way of living and taking on this newness of life in Christ. That when we pick up our cross, that we are placing our full trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That we're placing our faith in him and his finished work on the cross. I actually like how Luke 9.23, I like how Luke's gospel account has of this. Because Luke 9.23 is my favorite verse. And, and what it says, Jesus is saying the same thing. But if anyone must follow me, you must pick up your cross. You must deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. I, I like that passage for two particular words. How it says, you must take up your cross. He must take up his cross daily. The first part is it's his cross. It's your cross. What that means is that it must be our faith placed in Jesus. We must pick up our cross. We're not carrying the cross of someone else. It must be our faith in Jesus, not the faith of someone else. We can't rely on the faith of our parents. We can't rely on the faith of our grandparents or any of the pastors here at church, or our connect group leaders, or a really good friend of ours, it must be our faith. Jesus doesn't say, hey, pick up your friend's cross and follow me. No, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. We are desired to follow after Christ. We must carry our own cross. So let me ask you this. Do you have faith of your own? Are you trying to run off of someone else's faith? Like, do you believe you obtain your own salvation because you have a relationship with someone else who has salvation? An example, an illustration I would use of this would be like a driver's license, okay? Anybody driving? Anybody got a driver's license? Just a few. Cool, cool, cool. So, so, so imagine this. So imagine, okay, I, I have a driver's license. I'm able to drive. Just because you don't have a driver's license doesn't mean you're able to drive because someone else you know has a driver's license. Even then, some of you have a driver's license. I worry about you. <laughs> but, but, think, but think about this. So just because, let's say, your parents have a driver's license doesn't mean you have one or own one. Just because a best friend of yours has a driver's license doesn't mean you own one. Just because you have a great friend or family member or grandparent doesn't mean you have your own driver's license. You must obtain your own driver's license. We cannot obtain salvation by osmosis by having a relationship with someone else. We must be the ones that deny ourselves and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ if we are to obtain salvation. We must do this daily. So it says you must take up his cross, take up your cross, and do this daily, which means this is a daily process of putting to death our old way of living and walking in newness of life. Daily, as simply as it means, it means every day. It does not mean you follow Christ just on Christmas and Easter. It doesn't mean you follow Jesus just on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. It doesn't mean you just follow Jesus when things are going great, according to your terms. It, it doesn't mean you follow Jesus when you feel like it. No, it's a daily denying of ourselves. It's a daily occurrence. It's a daily sacrifice. It's a daily process. 
So let me ask this, do you pick and choose when you decide to follow Jesus? Or you daily submit to his lordship? I mean, do you follow Jesus just on Sundays? Just on D-Now weekend? Just when we go to Ridgecrest? Mission trips, Montreal? Just when you're around Christian friends? Or whenever else you feel like it? And then do your own thing the rest of the year? Or do you truly follow him every single day? Because if we are a follower of Christ and proclaim to be a follower of Christ, we are commanded by Jesus to submit our lives daily to his lordship and obey whatever he says. Because let's be honest, just trying to put up a front and trying to wear a mask, it's exhausting. Trying to be one person on Sunday and another person the rest of the week, that gets exhausting. I remember, I remember, gosh, I remember my freshman and, and sophomore year of high school when, when I had that, when I would just live for Jesus on Sunday or at least put on the act, but the rest of the week I did whatever I wanted to and it was exhausting and it was debilitating and it just left me with even less hope because I was putting on a front. But the beautiful thing about all of this is just like as Jesus denied himself, Jesus also took up his cross. Jesus is the archetype of this. Jesus has already done this before us. Jesus already picked up his cross and carried it to Calvary's hill to die on our behalf. He's paved the way for us to be able to follow after him. He's paved the way so we can come before Calvary's hill and we can take off the mask. We, can, we no longer have to put up a front. We no longer have to act. We can come before him and receive true forgiveness for this. That if he's already done this, then he will give us all that we need in order to be able to live for him and deny ourselves and pick up our cross and give us faith to be able to follow him. He will give us the strength and faith needed to do this daily. Again, if, if we are to truly pursue Christ, we must first deny ourselves, self-denial. Second one is we must take up our cross, which means we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and his finished work. And the last thing that he tells us to do is that we must follow him. Well, follow him means it's total obedience and surrender. Like it says in the last part, it says, and follow me. So like I said, we must deny our own desires. We must pick up our cross, place our faith in Jesus Christ. So now that we've denied ourselves, now that we've placed him on the throne of our lives, now it's time to act out and live out that faith that we've had by following him, by total surrender to his lordship and what he commands of us that we no longer count our lives as worthy, but count his life as worth everything. That it's better than anything, because when we count Christ as better than anything, which he is, he is better than anything and everything this world can offer, then we will follow him with reckless abandon and gospel joy, knowing that he is better and greater and worth everything. What it means when it says to follow him, follow means to follow one who precedes. We're following one who goes before us. We're following the example of Christ because Jesus, we're following Jesus, we're following God because like I said, Jesus said, I've come to do the will of the Father. An illustration I have with this is, is one that Pastor Mark preached about last week, we're being yoked with Christ. How being yoked, I think we actually have a picture for this where we're being yoked, it's two 
ox being yoked together. And it's kind of this younger and weaker ox being yoked with this stronger ox. All right, so what the weaker ox is doing, it's following the example of the stronger ox. And the stronger ox is following the example of the master who's giving its commands. So because of the weaker ox being yoked with the stronger ox, it's ultimately learning how to follow and obey the master and his commands. That's what we're doing when we truly follow Christ, is that we're following Christ as we listen and are able to listen and obey the commands of God. Which means we are following Christ wherever he takes us. And here's where he's taking us. He's taking us into our neighborhoods. He's taking us into our schools. He's taking us into our jobs. He's taking us into our sports teams. So that everything we do there is ultimately to glorify and honor him. That we're to be like, we're to be like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That we're to be what Jesus was in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, where it says we don't count anything of ourselves more worthy, but we count other people and their desires more worthy than our own. That we do nothing out of selfish ambition because ultimately we want to serve those around us and serve their needs because their ultimate need is Jesus. And that God has divinely placed us in these areas so that we can point people to him. We're to be like what Romans 12, 1 says. We're to present our lives as a living sacrifice. That everything we do, from our schoolwork, to the jobs we do, to the sports we play on, whatever it is, that we do it all for his glory. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, just everything you do, whether you eat, drink, sleep, whatever, do everything to glorify God. And that's what we're supposed to do when we follow Jesus. We're supposed to follow him wherever he takes us and whatever he commands us. So let me ask this. Will you obey Christ with whatever he commands you to do? Will you follow him wherever he takes you? Will you go talk to that person sitting alone at the lunch table that just might be in that one word of hope that they need? Will you stand up for Christ even when everyone else isn't? Will you pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus in the middle of a world that's saying, do life your way according to your terms? In the middle of a society that says, follow your heart. Will you truly follow Christ when the world is going the opposite way? Because be encouraged, though, that when we do this, Jesus will give us the faith and the strength and the grace to be able to stand up, to be able to stand firm in him and live for him. Because like I said, Jesus has been able to do all three of these things. Jesus has been able to deny himself. Jesus took up his cross. And Jesus followed God. Jesus is commanding everything that he has done himself. And so since he's already done this, then he will give us all that we need according to his riches and able to be able to do all of this. Let me ask you this. Have you been following Jesus on your own terms? Have you been living your life as you best see fit? 
have you only been living for Christ on Sundays and just doing whatever you want the rest of the week? Have you been putting on a mask just this whole time, just playing the role of an actor rather than a follower? And you're just tired. You're exhausted. Just it seems like no matter where you go, you're trying, you're trying to just appease this crowd, but then you're trying to live for yourself, and it just seems to come up empty. Or maybe, maybe you realize that you're living just you're living for Christ according to your terms. You think, I can't go back to him. There's no way. I want to encourage you that you're never too far gone from forgiveness and hope. That you can be brought back into a right relationship with God in a moment. That you're never too far gone to be able to walk in newness of life in Christ. Because here's the beautiful thing, is that no matter how far gone we feel, no matter how much we feel like we've hit rock bottom, Jesus will meet us where we are at. He'll meet us where we're at. He'll uplift us. He'll forgive us. He'll reconcile us back to God. He will look at us and say, take heart, my child. Your sins are forgiven. And he'll be able to give us the grace and strength to walk in newness of life. That even when we fall, Jesus still invites us to follow him. That if we will deny our selfishness, if we will repent of our sins, and if we will believe on him, he is faithful to forgive us. He is faithful to bring us back into a right relationship with him. And he is faithful to give us all the strength we need to live for him. To be able to take our mess of a life and turn it into a beautiful message of his grace and honor and glory and mercy. Maybe some of you truly are followers of Christ. And just recently, you've been struggling to follow him. And, and you just feel like, I can't come back to him. I'll just read my Bible a little more. I'll just pray a little harder. I'll kind of clean myself up before I go back to him. No, you can come back to him tonight. Because this message to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him is a daily thing for both non-believers and believers. This is a message for all of us. This is a message that we need to preach to ourselves daily. The gospel is something that not just saves us, but it sanctifies us. What that means is not only saves us from our sins, but continues to help us grow closer to Christ as we daily deny ourselves, as we daily pick up our cross, and as we daily follow him, that every single day we're denying a little bit more of ourselves and embracing a little bit more of Jesus and looking a little bit more like Jesus. Because we never arrive at a point where we can stop doing this. Now we must constantly do this. Be encouraged that Christ is faithful. He will meet you where you're at. He will forgive you and he will provide a way according to his riches to be able to follow him, to be forgiven of your sins, to be able to walk in newness of life. Let me ask you this. Are you tired? Are you tired of acting? Are you tired of putting on a front? Are you tired of just trying to do life your way and it just doesn't seem to mount to anything and comes up more empty and just more bitter and more difficult? I implore you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and he will give you rest for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden. Come to me who are tired and worn and heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
Again, are you following Jesus according to your own terms? Because if so, you can be made right with Christ tonight. And so what I want to do with that is that I'm going to pray. I'm just going to have the band come back up, and we're just going to have a time of response. I know some of you have booklets that you might be able to write stuff in. Some of you might not. Totally fine. Just what I want to do is I just want to be able to open up this stage right here to be an altar. You don't have to come up here if you want. You can come up here if you want, or you can pray from your own seats, but I just want to give us a time of response, a time to, to just truly reflect on what we've heard, that if there's something that's just we need to confess before God, there's something we need to confess to one another, that we can do that tonight. And so I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come up, and they're going to play a song. I'll just give you a time of response, and then after that, we'll be done. So let us pray. Dear God, thank you. Just thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you that we can walk in newness of life because of his grace, because of your just amazing love, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I pray over these next few minutes. Yet however the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, that we will just respond accordingly, that you'll give us the strength and grace to respond to what you've told us that we will preach this gospel ourselves daily, that it saves us, and that we will deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow you into our schools, into our neighborhoods, and be able to tell them about this amazing love of Jesus, be able to tell them about this amazing message of the gospel, that we preach this message to ourselves, and then go into the world and preach this message to a world that so desperately needs it. Continue to work in each and every one of our hearts, Lord. I pray all of this in Jesus' name.